Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Are you hammering stuff now? <laughs> he's just, just put his microphone down on the table and he's just tapping it repeatedly. That'll help. That'll make everything sound better if I tap it a whole bunch of times. I'm... No, I'm literally not doing anything, and it is perfectly quiet in here. How about that? It's just uh, the whoever that's hiding in the walls is apparently making just enough noise to get picked up by the microphones. Yeah. Tapping out some Morse code message. <laughs> <sighs> if you knew Morse code, you'd know exactly when they were coming to get you. But. <laughs> Okay. Did that did that improve anything? That is a little better, yeah. Is it still picking up any weird noises? No. Doesn't seem to be. That's why it's better now. So what'd you do for New Year's, Noah? Did you just sit alone in the murder house and hoped you'd live to see twenty twenty three? No. Me and some of my friends got together and did like a murder mystery dinner thing. No, that's worse. It was delightful. <laughs> yeah, I did one of those once. I was like, oh, fuck. I have to go around and talk to people? This is not a game that was made for me. It does sound pretty rough. <laughs> I was, I was going to invite you, and then I was like, he's just going to say no. Yeah, I went, I went to a bar with friends and had drinks. It's pretty good. I was disappointed that there was some shitty band playing when I got there. And I was like, oh. Luckily, they took a lot of breaks. So It's, it's a sure sign of a quality band when you're like, well, at least they took a lot of breaks. <laughs> I said they were a shitty band. What'd you do, Doug? Uh... Approximately nothing. Approximately nothing? Yeah. I went over to a buddy's place, but I think I was home before midnight. So. And it's that right level of drinking where you use phrases like, I think I was home before midnight, but still. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it is what it is. I, I'm not a big New Year's guy because I find like, you try to go to a bar and it's like, we're going to charge you cover tonight to get into the same bar that won't have cover tomorrow night. And I'm just like, that doesn't seem right. Yeah. I didn't have that problem. But, you know, 
I mean, I was home by 1230. My friend that I was with, she got obliterated. That's good. I had like five drinks over like four hours and was perfectly fine. But yeah. luckily, her brother was taking her home. I was like, Jesus Christ, you are so wasted. Ah, you're supposed to get wasted on New Year's. It's fine. It's fine. It's like the- anymore. I drink two beers and I'm so tired that I can't even function the rest of the night. That's because you drink two beers and then stop. You got You get two beers, you'll go to sleep. You got to make sure you get that third one in you quick and keep going. Yeah. Two beers is the magic number to put people to sleep. Yeah, but I was drinking like gin and tonics and uh, cranberry vodka and stuff. Little little twist of lime in your uh, gin and tonic? Of course. Yeah. I don't like twists of lime and stuff for the most part. No? No, I prefer. I don't like, I don't know, putting any kind of fruit or vegetable into my Alcohol seems contradictory to me. <laughs> what about Bloody Marys? I don't drink those. Oh. I'll drink like a mimosa or a screwdriver if I'm drinking in the morning. Or a, a little salty dog. Salty dog action. I don't know what that is. That would be grapefruit juice and vodka with a salted rim. Okay, I do drink these drinks that I forget what they're called, or Palm Bays or something. I used to take them camping to drink first thing in the morning, and they were grapefruit and vodka, no salt. So, I guess, kind of. The, the salt, I also the really salt don't really like salt. ties it together, man. I, I really am not a salt guy. Like, I don't even keep salt in my cupboard, in my spice rack. There's no salt. Hmm. What about margaritas? Any margaritas? Occasionally, but it's been a long time. Back when I used to watch way too much wrestling, I would order like three beers and then a margarita and then make a stone cold joke. But that was, I was just doing it for the joke. <laughs> Have you ever seen his, like, whatever they call it, the Broken Skull Ranch margarita recipe? No. It is hardcore. <laughs> That's good. Like, I bet it tastes fine, but it is it, the proportion of tequila to other ingredients is way too high. <laughs> I did notice, like, he has like his own Stone Cold beer out. I checked it, and it's like an IPA, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> he put out a hipster beer. <laughs> <clears throat> Got to diversify, man. I guess. I don't know. I am super curious to try the Metallica whiskey, which apparently during the, the uh, like fermenting process, they play Metallica music at it and claim that that affects the flavor. And I'm very <laughs> curious. I really want to get two different bottles that uh, have were, had different songs played at them while they were brewing and then taste them and act pretentious and act like I can tell the difference based on the song. So, Yeah. How are we this deep into an alcohol conversation? I don't know. And if I'd known, I would have definitely brought some alcohol to have beside me while we were having this conversation. Because now I want to drink. What kind of alcohol would we put out if we put out our own alcohol? Well, it would have to be something cheap to produce because nobody would buy it. Um, I mean, a beer is the obvious one. Yeah. 
some reason I'm imagining something very bitter for Noah. That makes sense. There is a, a local. Uh... You guys are so hurtful. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I bring nothing but love to this podcast, and you guys just just wound my soul. Oh, good. He he understands what our objective is. At least that's a positive sign. <laughs> at least we're not doing anything behind his back. There's like a horror themed brewery not too far from me that puts out some neat looking beers and they have like they teamed up with the people who made Psycho Gorman and had their own like Psycho Gorman beer and stuff like that. Nice. So that's pretty cool. Watch Psycho Gorman yet, Noah? You know what? I have not. I swear to God, that movie's right up your alley. You need to I, I know it is. I, and I, every time somebody brings it up, I'm like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah, I got to watch that. And then I walk <laughs> out of the room and it just it vanishes. It <laughs> happens to the best of us. I've even had, I've had so much time lately to watch it. Still haven't watched it. Get around to it. Uh, I don't know. Is there a good way to segue into uh, all this? Maybe we can make a joke about how lonely Noah is and he's calling some 1-800 numbers. Could be that. Could be something about how if you were drunk and dialed one of those numbers, it would get real expensive if you passed out with your phone. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like there's, there's a transition in there. All right. That works. Let everybody pretend that we made that joke and it was hilarious. Oh, man. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Which movie would you guys like to discuss first? Grace Segway. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's, it's getting sad, man. But anyways, let's uh, move on. <laughs> Doug, why don't you tell us about 976 Evil? 976 Evil. Let's see. Um, so there's this kid, which is Evil Ed. Um, and even though we had an extensive discussion of his career last time we talked, I don't know his real name. He's just evil. Ed. Uh, I also don't know his character's name in the movie and he's kind of uh, a nerdy kid, but he's got a really cool cousin who lives above his garage. Um, <laughs> his, his, cool cousin, cousin. his cousin who looks suspiciously like young Josh Brolin, but isn't young Josh Brolin. It's not young Josh Brolin. No, they couldn't afford a young Josh Brolin for this. Um, Okay, like let's get it out of the way. What it is is it's the Richie Cunningham Fonzie Fonzarelli relationship. They totally. just copied it into this movie, complete with the living above the garage and everything else, right? Okay, so that's that's it. And he's real nerdy, and he gets his head flushed in the toilet by bullies at school and all that kind of stuff. Um, he wears really childish pajamas around the house and gets in trouble for eating on the couch. And his mom's super religious and stuff. On Anyways. the couch, on the couch that's wrapped in plastic. We should I, know, I know. Yeah. Um, Mrs. Cunningham was a pain in the ass. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> long short of it is, they start calling this nine seven six number that gives you your horoscope, um, but they don't know that it's run by the actual devil, and so now it is. Uh, gradually starts providing this nerdy kid with powers to seek revenge against people who he perceives as having wronged him. So the girl who turns him down gets eaten by tarantulas and the, the bullies are getting killed off. And the next, you know, he's actually turning into a demon and chasing the bullies around the movie theater where I think they live. 
um, <laughs> which is a weird part of the movie in and of itself. We'll discuss the details. And yeah, they basically have to stop him because he's gone full evil at this point. Yeah. Uh, this movie is definitely a movie of two parts. Yep. <laughs> One part is not very good. And the other part is decent. Like the first part, you mean that like watching these two send send messages back and forth through some tube system they've set up from the <laughs> kid's bedroom to the apartment above the garage and it's so like I mean watch they've built a pneumatic tube system out of yep. PVC and a vacuum cleaner that is sturdy enough for a human being to stand on. That's correct. Across across a fairly big distance. They should I, have engineering degrees i did watch some behind the scenes stuff and it turns out that didn't really work they just had a what they just had a special effects guy dropping that shit in and they added the sound effect in post so, so i didn't mean to ruin that for you guys but oh, no. that completely ridiculous plot point that served no purpose whatsoever was also not something that could practically be built yeah, so the, the whole, the whole opening out. of the film was just weird. Like it's like the whole like the the evil Ed guy is acting like a child, but he looks like he's twenty. Like okay, you're twenty, you're gonna play a sixteen year old. That's fine, but you're acting twelve in that first like half an hour of the movie, and I just didn't get it. No, I, even as we were watching it, or as I was watching it. I was like, did I forget that he wasn't the main character of this movie, that his cousin was? Because it, it seems like, like his cousin was. Yeah. His cousin seemed way more important for a long time. Yeah. And then and all of a sudden, just, it just shifts over to Stephen Jeffries for some reason. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's a weird dynamic at the beginning. It's almost like they tried to make the cool kid the focus, but mm. they couldn't. Then they're like, oh, no, wait, this is a revenge story. So it has to be the nerdy kid that gets the revenge. So let's just shift it. Let's not rewrite the first part of that script. Because <laughs> they definitely want you to think that the, the cousin is the cool guy, right? They're, they're playing up that Fonzie angle real hard with the motorcycle and the leather jacket. And he's mm-hmm. nailing the hot blonde chick and the schoolgirl uniform and all that stuff, right? And it's like, yeah, they're, they're playing it up. He's like the cool guy that every like young horror fan is going to look up to. And so we're anticipating him becoming like the badass monster guy that's going to take revenge on these bullies. But then it becomes clear he doesn't need to because he can already beat up the bullies anytime he wants. <laughs> and and it, it's like the whole part, the whole front part is just it's very strange, too, because like he acts as if he just started defending his cousin at school. But clearly he can he could protect his cousin at any time. I, I don't understand why it plays out the way it does at all. And yeah, it's very, it's all very strange. Plus, they dial a nine seven six number to get a horoscope, which seemed weird to me because I could have sworn those were sex lines back in the day. It's, that's how I remember it. And then, as I'm watching the movie, as soon as the mom sees nine seven six on the bill, she assumes the same thing. So I'm like, she remembers it the way I remember it. If I remember Just, right, though, like the the uh, God damn it, what was it? The PRN or whatever they called it. The fucking Miss Cleo psychic hotline, I think, was in nine six seven. Was it okay? Maybe just because of like 
the the ads that popped up on the TV shows that I was watching were all for sex hotlines. I just assumed, <laughs> like Miss Cleo, like I wasn't in that target market. It wasn't showing up when I was up late at night watching old movies. Somebody was watching up all night on USA, apparently. Please, it was Canada in the eighties. We did not have access to USA networks. <laughs> Uh, we should mention this is directed by Robert England. Yes, uh, on based on his own idea that he took around and pitched. <laughs> oh yeah, after trashing this movie, we really should say the the last twenty minutes of this movie is actually really good. Oh yeah, no. To be clear, this is a movie in two parts, and the when it shifts into that second part, I really enjoyed the second half of this movie. Once that once the evil Ed goes evil and starts like killing people, like sends the magic spiders that show up somehow through the magic at that girl's house. That's gross, that, by the way. Yeah, I'm sure it was gross to you, but that's what it was supposed to be. It was gross, right? And then like when he starts turning into an actual demon and he goes through the various stages, the makeup's great. There's that one scene where the, the he like challenges the guys to a fight and they follow him outside and then he comes back in and he's like holding their hands and it's all the blood dripping and stuff. I was loving that second half of the movie. I feel like he was starting to look like Leprechaun by the end. Yes, he was. <laughs> uh, what is this, like 89 though? Like Leprechaun wasn't out yet. No. So maybe Leprechaun drew some inspiration from this. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's... Like the, the, and the, I think the makeup is done by one of the guys that did like Freddy's makeup in like the latter half of the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Uh, so it's Kevin Yeager, I think, from what I remember seeing in the credits. OK, yeah, he, he did a lot of work on the, some of the Nightmare. So I think it's like it, I, in, to my mind, it looked great for what this is for a low budget horror film. Um, it's exactly how I want it to look. You know what I mean? And I think it just. Everything about that second half works for me when they when the cops like that cop or, or he's an investigative reporter. I didn't understand and when he's like um, goes to like the phone sex hotline and then they find that room and it's like all closed off because they could they shut down the horoscope line and he's like, OK, this is ridiculous, but I like it. All that stuff is fun. Once the evil starts, it's just the the opening. Like half of the movie isn't that that's the problem. Yeah, the beginning's pretty slow, and I feel like uninteresting for a lot of it. Yeah, um, there is nudity, so I mean that stuff's great, but yeah. Um, and Robert Picardo. And Robert right. Picardo shows up, of course, Play, playing literally the devil, yeah. which is pretty fun. Uh, I did think it was funny when. <laughs> Cool guys having sex with his girlfriend, and Evil Ed feels like that's a great time to send a message over, saying, saying like, "Nice, nice, babe," or whatever. And he's just like, "She's like, what?" The he's fuck? like watching. <laughs> Dude, the the behavior of that character in in the first part of this movie, like, cause he then he goes over to the apartment, right, and then he steals her panties that she left behind, which is weird unto itself. <laughs> And then he goes to a, a horror movie at an all-night horror movie marathon that's playing in the theater where his bullies, I'm pretty sure, live. I think they live in that movie theater. Um, and he brings them with her, and then he meets her there and proceeds to, like, hit on her, even though she just slept with his cousin, like, an hour ago. <laughs> and he... 
and she goes along with it. Now they're out having a, like a, a date, and all of a sudden it's revealed that he has her panties in his pocket. <laughs> it's so funny. She's like, I thought you were different. And it's like, why would you think you were different? You already know he spied on you having sex and then hit on you a couple hours later. That's that's what you know about this guy. <laughs> and you thought he was just a good guy and you can't believe that he'd have the nerve to steal your panties. I'm like, that's exactly what you should have predicted he would do. <laughs> Once a guy spies on you at having sex with his own cousin and then later hits on you, you're going to want to check his pockets for your panties. He's probably got some. Like it's It's so weird. But then after she rejects him, he's like, oh, she was scared of spiders. I'm going to use my newfound evil powers to conjure up a bunch of spiders in her kitchen. And they're going to kill the shit out of her. And it's going to be awesome. Yeah. And it's a really well done. Like the, the kill scenes end up being really well done. So you're like, OK, all that was dumb. But look at this. This is cool. Uh yeah, I don't know. I remember not enjoying this movie the first time I saw it. I wasn't super keen on it this time. Like the second half, it agreed is way better than the first half. But I don't know. I feel like I had to wait too long for the good stuff to start happening. It it took too long to get to the good stuff. We can all agree on that. And the first half is nonsensical. Like it, it's very weird. I would say this is one of those movies that's like primed for a remake, but nine six seven numbers don't exist anymore, so I don't. Know. Yeah, I don't know what the equivalent would be. Chatterbait. <laughs> no, there's still there's still sex phone lines. Is there? You looked into this? Uh, no, I've been up watching TV late, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, call and talk to me and my friends, and I'm just like, really? People still really? do this? I guess. Again, that's fine if that's what you want to do. I'm not <laughs> judging, but it's strange to me that somebody would. Anyways, let's yeah. not get into that. I was, I was going to say, <laughs> Cam Girl Evil just doesn't have the same ring. We've already done that movie, too. <clears throat> where, what? It feels like what? in 2022, the is girl there, has to be a, the victim. There's a movie where the devil is uh, corrupting a young boy through a masturbation website. Okay, maybe maybe that exact movie hasn't been made. <laughs> I was, was going to say, I feel like I would have seen that, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we would have covered that already on the show. <laughs> there's a movie on Shutter called Cam. It's about a cam girl who something possesses her feed and she doesn't know what it is. Really? That's what that's, I've seen that title. I didn't know that. Oh, that's what it's about. That's uh, she, she's a cam girl. She, you know, records her show, whatever streams it. And then when she's done, when she's not on it anymore, she happens to notice that her feed is still going and she's on it, but she's obviously not there. So something is oh. hijacked her feed and, Somehow it looks like she's still on her cam girl feed. And it's supernatural is the impression you get? Yes. Okay. I remember just like, a, just like a hacker who like filmed it and is like replaying it later and getting the tips or whatever. I remember enjoying it. So I'd okay. say it's worth a watch, but it's been a while since I watched it. All right. Um, All right. but yeah, I don't know. Weirdly, uh, Stephen Jeffries turned down playing Evil Ed in the Fright Night sequel to, to do this. 
I personally, I think I would have rather have seen him play Evil Ed again. Oh, I see. I loved his performance in this movie. Not so much in that first half, which I don't think is his fault. Like, I think the movie is scripted weirdly. And I think that a lot of that stuff that he's asked to do in that first half is like nobody could do it well. But when he goes evil, I, I really liked him. I did see a lot of evil Ed in the performance with the kind of like the laughter and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really, I really, really enjoyed his performance when he was running around in that makeup, killing those bullies. And at one point, like a literal gate to hell opens up on the floor and he's like walking around it and it freezes over. And I'm like, Oh, interesting. It's a fun little thing. And I'm like, I, I was, I was really enjoying the way he was just over the top reacting to everything again, delivering, a B movie performance in a B movie, exactly what you want. Mm. Wasn't there someone else in this that I was excited to see? I know I was looking at it, and like the mom is played by like an Oscar winner, <laughs> but it's not like <laughs> anything that I forget what she won for. But it's not like something that we would have watched or discussed on this show. I mean, what's what's his face from Office Space? Isn't it for two seconds? You got to be more specific. Uh, The the guy who's one of the two Bobs that isn't John C. McKinley. That guy's in this? Yeah, for like two seconds. Oh, yeah. Paul Paul Wilson. Yeah. All right. I accept that. Yeah, I don't see anybody else I recognize in the cast list. Our weird tie-in is minor characters played by guys who are famous for playing Bob, though. That's interesting. That's our other theme for this week. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I have much to say about this movie. Yeah, it sounds like you're way more negative on it than I am. Like, I, I really enjoyed the second half. Enough so that I watched the sequel later. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I guess, like, it sounds like we agree pretty much on the first half, just being kind of dumb. Yeah. But once the once the horror started, like when when it became this like horror movie, I, I started to really enjoy it. Yeah, the monster the monster movie bits are great. Yeah, I just I, it would have worked better if there was a better lead up to it. I think if the characters were more relatable going into it. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the writer on this also worked on Trick or Treat. And I think back to that movie where, yeah, that lead character is more relatable. Like he, when his level of bullying is less cartoonish and more something that you could see happening. So I, I think that that's in a, uh, maybe a better example of a similar style movie. If you could have done something comparable to that for the first half an hour of this movie to get us set up. Yeah, I think it, <clears throat> I think it just took too long. So then I got bored. So I started dicking around on my phone. Yeah. So even when all the good stuff does start happening, I'm really paying as much attention as I probably should. Yeah, and that's I mean, that that is one of the things with watching these older movies. Um, if they were made at a time when they were the focal point of the whole house's attention. Once you turn the TV on versus now where there's so many other distractions that sometimes they could get away with it back then, just being a little more boring and not as interesting a setup. Whereas now, like you do, you get distracted a lot easier. The main character's name was hoax. 
H O A. That's a stupid name too. Yeah, why is that his name? I don't know. I don't like that. And it wasn't really explained. Is it meant to be a nickname or his real name? Like that's what his parents named him. I have no idea. It just literally just says hoax. Yeah. It was weird too that the cousin lived there, and they kind of like they imply that the cousin's parents like died, mm-hmm. and that he was living there until he could have access to his inheritance, but he had to turn a certain age or something. And it's like that's a weird thing to imply and then not explore at all. Like <laughs> just you know, it's just weird '80s logic where you're like, well, somebody's parents had to be dead. Everything's like even in the average sitcom, somebody's parents died, so we're gonna have to do it in our horror movies, of course. You know? <laughs> Apparently, Robert England met his wife on the set. Yeah. Then he also claimed the uh, the cats of the film would would always follow direction, but he was horribly frustrated with the spiders that would barely move once they released them. Yeah, apparently the spider handlers had to sit off stage. This according to whatever YouTube video I watched on this, but they would just there'd be these guys with like uh, big straws and they would blow on the spiders to make them move. <laughs> <laughs> which it sounds like you don't want to piss off giant tarantulas when they're crawling on a person, but apparently sometimes you do. And apparently to get the cats to like on that one, like where they're eating that body, they uh, stuff like a dummy with like oh, cat food or tuna or some shit. So the cats are just like literally eating something out of a dummy. And it really like the effect really works. It looks like they're eating this body, which is kind of fun. Yeah, I'd say that was pretty good. <clears throat> uh, all right. Well, anything else before I move on? No, you sound like you really want to move on. So, <laughs> whatever. If you have more to talk about, let's talk about it. No, that's all right. I mean, I think I've made my points. Uh, it's a boring first half and a super fun second half. Are you kind of in agreement, Noah? Yeah. Or did you? Yeah. All right. <laughs> and Brian's boring first half and the second half looks surprisingly like the screen of his cell phone so <laughs> uh, alright well Noah do you want to tell us about Out of the Dark uh, sure so Out of the Dark is about a bunch of girls working at a phone sex line who are being menaced by a caller with a deep weird voice um, who then starts showing up wearing a clown mask and murdering them. And the cop immediately jumps to the conclusion that it's the photographer who's taking their pictures, who's one of our main characters. And weirdly, the fact that the shitty cop who just like makes snap judgments about everything turns out to be right at the end of the movie. (laughs) Yeah. 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 One one of the weirdest things about this movie was that when that cop first is like, he's like really judgmental of that photographer, and he's like, I bet you that guy's the guy that kills him. He probably gets sexually aroused when he takes their pictures, and and I'm sitting here as an audience member going, well, he, his job is to take pictures of girls while they're naked. I don't think it makes you a killer if you get sexually aroused during that. But then they have the female cop like lay into him. And is like, why don't you just leave these people alone? Like, you can't make judgments about these people just because they live this different lifestyle than you. And then they have, like, several people point out that, like, the girls that are on these call lines, so, like, a lot of them are just actresses, and this is the gig they can get right now, and they're helping get through so they can pursue their careers. What's wrong with that? 
there's nothing they're not doing anything immoral or unethical like they're just they're providing a service in exchange for money and we even see like the the head girl the head of the service we see her at home with like her family and kids and stuff we're like yeah she's just a human being and this is what she does for a living so it's like super progressive in that way and then at the end of the movie they're like nah whatever the people who do this kind of stuff all are all just getting killed and they're all scumbags kind of thing by by making that cop right about everything it's like this weirdly conservative 80s messaging yeah for some reason i remember being because i've seen this before and i remember being somewhat disappointed in it and as I was watching it, I'm like, no, nah, I'm enjoying all this. Why was I disappointed? And then we get to the big reveal at the end. I'm like, oh, that's what it was. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Oh, oh, oh that's Batman right. was right all along. It's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, that doesn't make any sense. It's dumb. Yeah. I, I, it, it's, it's a really bad final reveal. Um, and I don't think the mystery element works that well because some of the other red herrings that they bring in like that weird accountant guy that's like supposedly like a suspect, but he's such an obvious red herring that, you know, it's not him. So it's sort of weird that way where you're like, okay, so it's not that guy. And then when they reveal it's this guy, you're like, well, I guess that's the only person it could be, but I don't know. It's stupid. I don't want it to be that. Like that's, that goes against all the, like the positive thoughts I was having about the movie coming into this. Yeah. Um, like I almost wanted. I like, would have. I would have almost rather it was the cop at the end or something. Yeah, that that would have been something like if that cop because he was so judgmental. If somehow it was revealed that he was like the one doing the killing, like he was the super conservative guy who does these killings because he doesn't agree with the industry or whatever, that would have been a more interesting reveal. I agree. So yeah, the end. The ending really put me off. Now that having been said as like just a slasher movie that clown killer mm-hmm. that was super fucking fun yeah, like i really i enjoyed that. the kills that opening kill in the park where he like does i think it's the first <laughs> kill where he like he goes in and he's got like a baseball bat and a hat and he starts like miming like he's playing baseball and he convinces the girl to join in and they like mime playing baseball for like several minutes but as a viewer you're like obviously the guy in the mask is the killer like we know that right like <laughs> i understand the character doesn't know that so you're just waiting for it and waiting for it and it's all cute and kind of fun and they got that like circusy music playing in the background and then he just bashes her over the head with that bat <laughs> you're like all right that was pretty fucking good i enjoyed that see and i was like how unrealistic fucking clown in the middle of the night in the park steps out from behind a tree with a baseball bat your first response isn't to like oh yeah i'll this play is, fake baseball with you this this is the problem with perception though you're watching <laughs> you're watching this movie from 2022 this movie came out in 1989 which, as you know, is two years before the It miniseries. People weren't scared oh. of clowns yet, Brian. Doesn't matter. I think people, people I mean, but, but it was after John Wayne case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but real life stuff doesn't scare people. Only Tim Curry does. That is a fair point. <laughs> so, listen, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to give it that. I'm going to give it that at the time, seeing a clown made people happy. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I believe that seeing a clown ever made people happy. I think it was bad from the beginning. And it's one of those horrible truths like uh, racism that it, it's just been going on for forever. And no matter how much people speak out against it, it just keeps going. <laughs> well, 
I disagree. My my memory of the eighties was that everybody was happy to see a clown. I do not. I do not approve of the clown lifestyle. <laughs> Listen, we're trying not to be judgmental here. I was just complimenting the movie on being progressive in its display of these sex workers, and now you're going to go back on that. What about when he uh, that one girl? He puts the hose across her neck, and he just kneels on the hose to choke her out. Though that's a vicious fucking kill. That is a like what a horrible, horrible way to be killed. Yeah. Yeah, that was horrible. Him using the fucking shovel to like just yeah. like embeds it in that dude's head. That one's pretty awesome. And that dude, that dude wasn't even an, an intended victim. He just happened to cross them while he was killing somebody <laughs> else. He's like, "All right, well, I'm gonna kill this person anyway. I'm gonna kill this dude with the shovel while we're here." Yeah, yeah. The yeah, slash like slashery part of this movie is great. All that yeah, stuff's fantastic. Yeah. It's it's the mystery element of it and the reveal at the end that don't really work. And I also think how oh, the reveal just every bit of the reveal is so bad. Did I ever yeah. tell you that I went to clown school? What? <laughs> what the fuck kind of a reveal is it that he went to clown school? <laughs> well, how else would he have known how to act like a clown? Obviously, you can't pretend to play baseball if you haven't been trained lord 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 knows a person can't just put on a clown mask <laughs> goes against the clown code um but yeah like that one body that he leaves in the bath in the bathtub and then he turns oh, on the water yeah. so the blood runs everywhere it was so gross and disgusting and great and the fucking motel or whatever yeah yeah There was like the second strangulation kill where I'm like, it's not poorly done or anything. It's actually pretty neatly done how he tricks her into staying on the phone so he can sneak up behind her and stuff. Yeah. But um, it just strangled that other girl in such a fun way that I'm like, you can't just strangle someone else. I gotta come up with a new way to kill this one. A little bit lazy there. As you mentioned, the cop is played by uh, Bob from Batman. Of course it is. <laughs> it's, it's one of those ones where I'm like, I don't know much about that actor at all, but he can't do anything else without me going, hey, it's Bob. <laughs> uh, uh, we should mention Karen Black is in this movie. She's sort of yes. the uh, the house mom of all the uh, yeah. sex phone operators. Yeah. She still has she still has it. She's like a she's moved her way up the ladder, but she still has it when she when they need her to step in. She can still do it, which is pretty fun. <laughs> it's like, whoa, look at this pro coming out of retirement. She's like, I'll show you how it's done. <laughs> I kind of liked it. I liked the I liked all the stuff around like the girls, too. Like, I, I thought it was fun the way that they were like kind of friends and they were hanging out at work and. It was a uh, like there's the one scene where the girl's applying for a job there and they're like she has a resume and she's like, I've done voices and cartoons. And they're like, we don't get a lot of call for that, but you never know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I liked all the girls. I thought all the girls relationships were a lot of fun. Yeah, they were really human, which is like especially for an 80s movie to portray girls in the sex industry this human was really interesting and it made it it made the slasher elements of the movie work that much more because you didn't really want them to die they weren't the annoying teenagers from a, a traditional slasher film you you kind of hope some of them would live yeah 
I, I do like the fact that the movie goes out of its way to point out that they're normal and that they're not all just sex fiends and all that kind of stuff. And literally mm-hmm. the second character that we spend slightly more time with other than the, the girlfriend character is the one who then tries to fuck the photographer for no oh, reason. Oh yeah. She's... <laughs> I, well, they're not all sex maniacs, just that one. I feel like they, this movie wanted to be sleazier than it was. Like it, like it wanted to be have that like seventies level of sleaze where like there's just nudity for no reason and it's kind of dirtier and grimier, but it was like too late into the eighties and so they just had like one scene left where that girl acted all slutty, and it kind of stood out as a result. What about that other one? <clears throat> that other scene where the photographer used the that one girl's boobs as like binoculars for some reason. That's. Just she's, normal. She's like, I don't understand out. what's confusing with that to you. <laughs> she's leaning over him to look out the window and he grabs her boobs and uses them with binoculars. I was just like, what? I mean, don't that was his girlfriend, wrong. though, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm not saying yeah. I wouldn't do that either. I'm just saying it's just weird <laughs> to put it in the movie. <laughs> just a little flourish in there to me. It made the, <sighs> I it, weirdly like all that kind of interplay between those two made them feel like a real couple. I thought that element of it worked as well. Which is another reason why I didn't really buy him as the killer, because he was too much. It, it was too much of a change from what he was. Like, I never felt like he was a dark character. He really oh. seemed to care about his girlfriend. He didn't cheat on her when he had the chance. No, and they try to, like, come up with this, like, we did a background check on him. Did you know he got in a fight with his ex-girlfriend or whatever the fuck they came up with? Yeah. And I'm just like, really? Yeah. Like... In my head, I was like, that's like lazy red herring building. That's what that is. Like, it's you're lazily trying to convince the audience. But it again, especially since the accountant guy was so obviously not the killer. You're like, okay, well, that's just another example of that (laughs) poorly done red herring. But it's not. It's meant to be. (laughs) You think this movie, I mean, we're just giving it so much shit for being lazy, but like in the weirdest fucking way possible. Because we're spending the whole movie just like, oh, come on, guys. This is lazy red herring bullshit. And then at the end, they're like, no, it really is the photographer. We're like, come on, guys. This is the laziest reveal ever. You're just saying (laughs) that he was right the whole time. That's kind of dumb. Yeah. It's like no matter what, they're wrong. No, again, though, they could have had someone else be the killer and given them a different motivation. And I wouldn't have complained. Like, I, I think the idea that we one of us spewed out a few minutes ago about it being the cop would have been better. And then if that his female partner had to come in and save the last girl, that would yeah. have been super interesting. Yeah. What if it was Karen? Black? I li- I, I, what if it was Karen Black? Like what? She's yeah. just upset that she's aged out of being the phone sex girl and sure. going after the other girls. Punish him. Sure. sure. So all work. these young bodies keep coming in. I'm yeah, they would have had to like, rework her character a little bit, but it could have worked, and she's a good enough actress to pull it off, right? Yeah. I just didn't want Bob to be right about anything, that's all. <laughs> no, he's such a dick in this movie. He's just an asshole. Like, the whole time I kept thinking, no wonder Joker shot you. That's all I kept thinking whenever he was talking. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Is this 1989? Is this, is this movie the same year as Batman? These are the two different roles he had that year? Yeah. That's He's like calling up his mom. Ah, oh, mom. Big roles this year. 
like cop in one movie and a, and a thug in the other. It's going to be great. She's like, I want to see the cop movie because that's what I want my boy to be. <laughs> she goes to see this and skips out on Batman. <laughs> she comes out like, why were you such a dick in that movie? <laughs> it's like, mom, go see the one where they make an action figure out of me. Uh, you've been kind of quiet now. What do you think of this movie? Uh, I did, I'm kind of with everybody else. I thought it was all right, right up until the end. And then I was like, man, now it's dumb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a bummer. I think I feel like I had a lot going for it. And then it just fell apart. Yeah, sometimes botching yeah, an think... ending on a movie just kind of like sucks all the air out of it. Well, I actually went back after and watched like the kill count video because I'm like, I remember liking the kills, but I'm so frustrated by the ending that I don't remember the kills now. So that that goes to your point of like, yeah, when you botch the ending, it takes it takes a lot of the fun out of the movie. For some reason, I got like angel vibes from this. If you remember that movie Angel we watched a couple years ago, me and you, Doug, separately. Yeah, yeah, the one with the the prostitute getting her revenge on people, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I can kind of see that it was, but I feel like this is a, like, a somebody watched angel and it's like, well, we're not gonna, we're not gonna go that grimy. And then they try no. to make like a more mainstream version of that movie. It just didn't succeed. I can kind of see that. Yeah. Cause that movie was ultra progressive with its view of like people with, various sexual fantasies and stuff too. Remember? Yeah. And I think this movie tries to be that, but then with its botched ending kind of contradicts itself. Uh, I don't know. Is there anything else to talk about? It's pretty, it's pretty straightforward. No, it's like, yeah. It's just a weird week because we have one movie that started out shitty and then turned good. And another movie that started out good and then turned shitty. Right. <laughs> So it's kind of hard for us to like, we can't really fully recommend either movie, but we can't really, we still have positive things to say. I think about both like it. So basically what we're saying is they should start off, um, as a creepy phone sex pervert, uh, murdering girls. And somehow at the end, the, the killer is evil and possessed by a demon for no reason. <laughs> See, I, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, don't know i don't know why you sound like you're joking because that actually sounds great to me <laughs> i really want, <laughs> just want yeah it's just like a bunch of girls are getting killed and then they have to call the other number and get the um get the evil powers to fight back and somehow one of them turns into stephen jeffries or he's doing like the um he's doing like the gay phone sex line next door and they're like can you come help us and he's like okay thanks for calling the midnight drive-in no one is here to take your call for more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. All right, what did everybody watch since last week? A few things. Uh, so I mentioned another phone line earlier. So I watched the documentary about uh, Miss Cleo that they did for Netflix. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
And it turns out that she's a completely legitimate psychic and there's no reason to question anything she ever did. Actually, you know what the weird thing is? The the documentary takes a very weird tact on it because they start (laughs) off at the beginning kind of talking about some of the negative things. So they start off with the fact that she's from St. Louis and there's this acting college or group or something there that she didn't exactly defraud, but she like put on a production. It was very popular. They brought her in, hired her for another production, paid her a bunch of money. And then she just never paid any of the other actors and walked off with a bunch of money essentially. (laughs) And they started tearing into her about that. And then whenever they get to the Miss Cleo thing, they all they're all like, "Have you seen this?" Now all of a sudden she's on TV and she's got a Jamaican accent. And what the <laughs> and what the fuck is going on right now? Call me now. Well, and they shift from that to all of the people who she spent like the latter half of her life with and to them all just defending her to the end of the earth. Jesus. And it's really, I don't know, a lot of it's really strange because they get into the whole thing where the psychic network had got sued. And there was the big thing where when Florida sued them, they included Cleo in the uh, lawsuit. And I I actually, it was educational because there were bits of it that I either just don't remember or maybe I never heard. Like, eventually, Cleo was dropped from the lawsuit whenever it was pretty much proven that she didn't make any money off of all that. (laughs) Like, she had a really, really crappy contract, and she was their spokesperson. And she was, like, renting a spare bedroom for one of her friends. (laughs) Like... Even though they were making, you know, whatever, they were charging $5 a minute or whatever the fuck it was. Uh, Yeah, but yeah, just the people defending her at the end was so strange because a bunch of them, they were saying like people, they said, you know, people claim that she's got a fake accent. But I knew her for 30 years and never once did she not speak with that accent. And at the same time, they had somebody on there that was wrote a book about uh, uh, like the cultural appropriation of Caribbean cultures and about how it's like used for shorthand of mysticism and all that kind of bullshit and street cred. Mm hmm. And and her essentially saying, I'm from Jamaica, my whole family's fucking Jamaican, and what she's talking with is not a Jamaican accent. Nobody talks like that. That's interesting, actually. Yeah, it's yeah, the whole the whole thing is really strange because they they kind of tear her apart and defend her and like the second half they're talking about. So after the collapse of all that stuff, she ended up being uh, like she came out as gay and ended up being a very big spokesperson for gay rights and fighting all the evil amendments in Florida and all that kind of shit. She actually did a whole bunch of very positive work, which I'm trying to get behind. And at the same time, her friends are like, no, she's psychic. Like she could read shit. And it's like, no, stop doing that. 
Just please <laughs> stop. Dude, that bit, that bit's the bit that pisses everyone off. Stop saying she can fucking read people. That's, uh, it sounds like a really interesting documentary, like really open-minded by the filmmakers to just let all that be in it. Right. I'm not sure you should be that open-minded when you're talking with someone like her, but. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't mind a balanced approach, but there's a difference between a balanced approach and giving equal credence to the people who claim that she has psychic powers. <laughs> yes, I agree. Like there's, it's a problem when uh, it's a problem when you allow both sides to have equal airtime and one side is obviously full of shit. Right. Uh, yeah. So, but it was, I think it was worth a watch. I thought it was, it was slightly depressing, but most documentaries are. Uh, then I've still been watching Dr. Who. I think I'm getting to the end of Matt Smith's tenure. Have you changed your mind yet? Eight. Uh, I will say this. I think I like him more than I did previously. I still don't think he's as good as the rest of them, but he's fine. (laughs) Uh, And then I started watching this show on Hulu called Mr. In-Between. Have you guys watched any of it? No. So it's an Australian dramedy about a guy who's a essentially like a low rent hitman. And he's also raising a small daughter and taking care of his brother who is dying of ALS. And it's just, I don't know, it's fascinating because basically the the show the episodes are real short. I think there's three seasons of it. And it has some through plot, but like it doesn't really carry over all that much. It's kind of more like the episodes are snippets of this guy's life. And he's just such a fucking fascinating character because he's this really good dad who goes out of his way to like you know, do the right thing and teach his kid the right thing. And, uh, you know, taking care of his brother who can't take care of himself. And he's genuinely a good friend and all that kind of stuff. And then he turns around and will fucking kill someone like brutally. (laughs) (laughs) It is. I don't know. It is a weird in that kind of edged his characters always there. It's I, I, it's hard to explain. I, I just I found it fascinating. Plus, it was made in Australia, and you guys know Australian things tend to be better. Yeah, it's hard to complain about a lot of Australian stuff. Do weird shit down there, which is good. <laughs> I think one of the one of the funniest things that happens in the show is his his friend who helps him out on some of the hits shows up and he's like, I need you to come to my house and apologize to my wife. And he's like, why? And he's like, cause she found a porno tape of mine and she's going to divorce me. And I freaked out and I told her it was yours. I need you to come to the house <laughs> and tell her it was yours and apologize to her. And he's like, fine, I'll do that. And of course he gets to the house and this guy's wife is like a Russian immigrant. 
And whenever she grabs the tape and hands it to him, it's like piss porn. It's like a golden seven. And she's like, what is wrong with you? How can you watch this trash? And he's like, I I don't know. I guess I just like it. (laughs) 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 It is so it's so awkward. And whenever they walk outside, he's like giving his friend the side eye and the friend's like, oh, fuck, you know. And then way later, I mean, like a season and a half later, he's out on a double date with this girl he's in love with and that guy and the Russian wife and the Russian wife brings it up in the middle of dinner, trying to make him look like an asshole. And she's like, did you tell her about your pee pee tapes? And then, of course, you know, his girlfriend's super cool, so they're just kind of joking about it. And then whenever they're in the car, she's like, what is going on? And he goes, yeah, he told her that I left the tape there. And she goes, why would anyone take a porno tape to their friend's house, let alone leave it there? And he's like, that's what I said. But apparently she bought it. So. <laughs> Seems like I've seen that plot line in something else before. Possibly, but it's totally. I, I don't. I don't know when this show came out, or, but it's like I said, it's fascinating because basically it's like an episodic character study of this one dude who's just kind of a complete sociopath. That sounds fun. Yeah, I, I, I recommend it. And and because the episodes are kind of short and easy to digest, you can kind of, you know, watch a few and walk away from it. I I will say it's one of those random ones where it kind of alternates between spooky violence and being funny. And then all of a sudden something really depressing and sad happens. And you're like, ah, fuck. That does sound like Australia. Right. (laughs) There's a really good scene where they're in somebody's office and a huntsman spider is climbing up the wall and the dude freaks out about it. <laughs> it's like, kill it, kill it. And he's like, it's a huntsman. It has never bothered anybody. He goes, how do you know? <laughs> it's crawling on the floor. Some old lady dies of a heart attack and then the spider crawls off. Nobody ever knows that the spider killed her. <laughs> <laughs> What's this called again? Mr. In Between. It's on Hulu. Yeah, but it's not helpful when you say things like that to people who live in countries where Hulu doesn't exist. Oh, yeah. So I have no idea where it would be for you. Might be on Disney Disney. Plus. (laughs) That's what I'm I'm thinking it might be. It sounds like perfect Disney fare, so. Uh, but that's but that's really it. What about you, Doug? I watched a few things. Probably equally as weird when you think about it. Um, well, let's get it out of the way. I watched 976 Evil 2. Because I obviously enjoyed the last half of 976 Evil more than the rest of you guys did. Um, so the plot line... Sorry, I should refer to it by his full title, which is Jim Wynerski's 976 Evil 2. Um, The plot line is basically that this the evil power has uh, helped a serial killer 
who can now use astral projection to kill people even though he's behind bars. Um, but luckily, the cousin character from the first film is still around, and he's on a vigilante mission hunting down the evil, which doesn't make any sense when you think about it, but it's okay. Don't do that. Don't think about it. (laughs) So he's like riding around on his motorcycle, like looking for crimes that appear to have been committed by people using the evil from the 976 number. And he recognizes the somehow knows to go to this town where this killing is happening. I don't know how he knows. doesn't make any sense. Um, And he walks into a diner and immediately meets a girl. And then it turns out she has a, she has some weird visions that help him figure out what's going on as well. So again, no real explanation as to why she has those visions or how uh, he knew to meet her. But it turns out she also has a connection to the guy that's doing the killing. Cause she used to work in his office at the college and or high school that she attends. Um, so pretty nonsensical. However, there are also like, just some great scenes in this movie, such as like a random, uh, the best I can describe it as is an evil dead two scene where, so the cousin guy is breaking into the house of the killer to try to like, look for clues, which again, I don't know what he's hoping to discover since he already knows that this guy got his power by dialing the nine, seven, six number. Um, but as he's in there, the house just kind of comes to life and goes crazy on him. Except, you know, this is years after, Evil Dead 2, so they have to step it up a notch. So there's guns hanging on the wall, and one of them kind of comes off the wall and starts shooting. <laughs> so now Cousin Guy from the first movie grabs that gun out of midair and starts using it to shoot anything else that has come to life to try to scare him. <laughs> and I don't know, if you don't enjoy watching that, then I don't, I don't, I don't know why you watch movies. So stuff like that's fun. <laughs> Some of the kills are fun. There's a like a janitor at the possibly a high school, possibly a college that they, uh, that had witnessed one of the murders. So he's in like police protection the whole time. And that's like a whole fun little subplot where he's like getting the cops to bring him all sorts of cool stuff to his hotel room and all that. And he eventually gets killed off because turns out there's no point in hiding from a guy that can astrally project himself to wherever he wants to go. So it's a completely nonsensical movie with lots of fun individual scenes in it. If anybody's interested in watching that. Maybe. So. I do see the George Buck Flowers in it, though. Yeah, he's the uh, he's the janitor guy that's locked in a hotel room for much of the movie. Nice. Sorry, I should say drunk janitor guy. That's yeah, of course. much of the movie. So it's a, it's a whole thing. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. I, honestly, if you're a fan of the first one, I would say watch the second one as well because it's some of the horror elements work almost as well. But don't expect the plot to make nearly as much sense <laughs> as, as the original 976 Evil. <laughs> That's the plot that you don't don't expect this to make as much sense as that, which is a pretty low bar, I would suggest. Um, what else did I watch? A movie that I'd never heard of and just randomly decided to watch called Bones and All. Have you guys heard of this? Yeah, it's out in theaters, right? Yeah. Um, Timothy Chalamet? Correct. I don't know who Timothy Chalamet is, but he is in this movie. (laughs) Um, 
<laughs> and like the, his name was like big on the poster and I'm like, wow, people must know who that is. I don't. Um, He's the love interest in the movie. Yeah. Um, so the movie is super interesting. So it's about this girl who is, they call them, they call her an eater. So basically she has just this completely uncontrollable need to eat human flesh that kind of pops up every now and again. And I guess the, it's explained throughout the movie that as they get older, this becomes more and more common and becomes more and more necessary to do this. So she has like, we learn through the storytelling that she has a couple of incidents in her past. We pick up on it as she has a new incident. And then um, basically what happens is her, we find out that her dad has been moving her around every time she like, tries to eat a person to avoid getting caught and it's like her 18th birthday she wakes up and dad's gone and there's a note just being like look i can't anymore i just it's gone too far so she decides to set her on a mission to track down her mother who she's never met and basically try to find some answers to what the hell's been going on and along the way she meets realizes she's not the only one of these eaters out there so she meets up with like this uh, like kindly guy who is he basically explains to her that as she gets older her sense of smell will really get strong with this and he's actually trained himself to smell out like people who are about to die so that he can kind of like sneak in and eat them and he doesn't have to like really murder anyone but he can still fulfill his need um, she eventually meets this other guy who is I guess Timothy Chalamet apparently um, and, and they develop a, they develop like a romantic relationship and he's going to help her get to her mom. And it's super interesting to watch because do you remember when we talked about like Frankenstein, where we talked about like how they made that movie was so influential because it introduced the idea of like making the monster sympathetic. Mm-hmm. Well, this movie is basically a love story that's how it's made it's all about the relationship between these two people but on occasion they do just eat someone on screen and it's quite gory and vicious when it happens and you're just like wow we're really spending a lot of time exploring the emotions of these monsters like it's really strange and like the horror elements of it are done really well like the gore is cool there's a I don't know if I should spoil it I'm gonna spoil it there's a super creepy scene uh, towards the end when she finally finds her mother and her mother is locked up in, in, in like an insane asylum. And uh, there's a specific line of dialogue that is stated, which you don't think means anything when they say it. But the line of dialogue is like, look, we didn't force her in there. She signed her own admission papers. And then when the daughter finally gets in the room with her, the mom has no hands. <clears throat> And it takes you just a second to realize, motherfucker, she ate her own hands off. And it takes the character just a second to figure that out as well. And it's really fucking disturbing. Um, so really interesting movie ends up being. Um, yeah, like mostly like a romance movie, which isn't normally my thing. But when you add in this much blood and guts to one, it's super fun to watch. Um, really interesting how it explores the the different types of these eaters. Like, 
there's one who like I say, there's one who's trying not to kill anybody. You've got the boyfriend character who kind of tries to kill assholes that no one's going to miss is his whole thing. But he's not perfect at it. Um, but it's really weird because like we see him like killing people and eating them. But then he's like, we have to make a detour on the way across country to try and find your mom because he wants to stop and give his little sister driving lessons because he promised and he can't miss it. And you're like, well, that's really nice. I don't know what to make of that. <laughs> am I supposed to think this guy's a monster or am I supposed to think he's this like great guy? You know, and I don't know which one to think even towards the end of the movie. Um, we end up meeting one like eater who has teamed up with a psychopath and we find out like, okay, so like basically this one guy is like an eater, but his partner who also eats the bodies with him isn't. He just kind of enjoys doing it, but he's just a psychopath and they just hang out and get drunk and eat people. And it's like, well, that's fucking weird. I want a whole movie about those guys now. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's upsetting, but at the same time, it's really interesting to watch this movie where these monsters are in fact the, the love interests in the movie. And they're, it's really a romance between them. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I liked it because it's not my style of movie with like it being like a romantic drama, but I was super interested watching it as a, as a film fan and as somebody who's like always been into these, anything that's kind of weird and different. It's, it's a recommend from that perspective. I, you, you won't find it uninteresting. I can tell you that. Mm. Very good know. things about it. <clears throat> yeah. There's a few like, there's a few problems with the filmmaking, that, like the storytelling that bugged me a little bit. Um, I mean, I think this is my general criticism of romantic dramas, but like the relationship progresses way too quickly. Um, and I find it like there's a point where they try to like settle down and be like a couple and they get an apartment together and get jobs. And I'm like, but you've only known each other for like a few weeks at this point. <laughs> like it's, it's sort of strange that way. Um, but I mean, that's, probably true if I want that's probably one of the reasons why I don't watch a lot of romantic dramas because I feel that that's the problem and then when they finally introduce like a villain to the movie um, it's not told in a particularly effective way in my view it's, there's a, a character that takes a shift and becomes the bad guy and I'm just like it feels like somebody was just like we need a bad guy for this and we don't have one yet. So let's just make that guy the bad guy. Okay. Now we can go ahead and have our climax to the movie, which is not to say that it's poorly made or anything. I don't, so I don't know if that, like if that plot device comes from the book that this is based on or whether that's a screenwriting issue, but I just feel like it, there's a moment where you suddenly realize that, Oh, well that's going to be the villain, the, vic- the villain of the movie. And, he was not portrayed as a villain earlier, so I don't know why all of a sudden he is. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd be really curious to hear what other people have to say about it. Yeah. I may end up watching it at some point. Yeah. We'll see. It was really one of those ones where I'm just like, I really want to go to like the theater tonight. What's playing? And there wasn't just wasn't a lot of great options, so that's what I went. Hmm. And then I'm just sitting there by myself watching this movie going, oh, this is different. (laughs) There's a few other like young people that showed up just as the movie was starting. And I'm like, I bet you they all know who Timothy Chalamet is. He's in uh, he's in the new Dune movie. 
Okay. I, just, I have not seen that. Yeah, me neither. Uh, he was in the French Dispatch, the latest Wes Anderson movie, which I enjoyed. Nope. He's done like a shit ton of stuff, <laughs> but I'm looking over the list. I'm like, yeah, we don't know any of this. Call Me yeah. By Your Name was sort of his big breakout role from 2017. I, I don't uh, even heard of that. Big movie you'll be excited about that's coming out this year. He's playing a young Willy Wonka in the prequel about how he meets the Oompa Loompas. Because it's a story oh, that we need to tell. Well, fuck, fuck Hollywood and fuck <laughs> everyone. Did, are you serious? <laughs> now, is this a prequel to the original Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or to the Tim Burton uh, Willy Wonka movie? I think it's just a prequel to the story in general. Prequel to the book. Okay. It's, just, it's just called Wonka. Jesus Christ. I I can give you a minor spoiler alert for 2023, and I will not be seeing that. Oh. So, that's, believe it or not, that doesn't appeal to me. Oh. Just what the fuck, man? I, I can kind of see him now that like I'm just looking at the movie poster right now, and I'm like, yeah, I can kind of see that guy as Willy Wonka, but I still have no interest in that. I don't think... I've never seen the Tim Burton Willy Wonka movie, and I'm not sure if I've ever seen the original all the way through. Nothing about it really appeals to me. I I don't know. I kind of recommend seeing the the uh, the older one. Yeah. There's some creepy elements in the movie, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's just such a balance of stuff because, like, the Willy Wonka character is uh, even in the book. If you pay attention, he's just fucking evil, and he's all dressed up in nicety. It's it's really strange. The Tim Burton uh, sucks all the dicks. Like all of them. No dick went unsucked. I I didn't hate it nearly as much as Noah. I'm not saying I'm a huge fan of it, but in a world where Charlie and the Chocolate Factory already exists, I was like, yeah, I'll watch another version where Johnny Depp plays like a weirder version of Willy Wonka that apparently he was inspired by Michael Jackson. I was going to say, wasn't like, didn't they want Michael Jackson to play the part? And then they're like, now nah, we'll just have Johnny Depp play Michael Jackson playing. I no idea, but I wouldn't That's be surprised. My, my understanding oh, is that oh, based oh, on my vague memory. Don't be ignorant. I think I'm just going to stay out of the Wonka verse altogether. Oh, like go, <laughs> go with the original. The original is fun. Yeah, I feel please, like I missed my window in the original. The book, like, man. Yeah, read a book. That's what I'm going to do. You know how many books I have bought over the years and then not read? Three. It's more than that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the actual number, but I know it's a lot more than three. <laughs> um, how the hell did we get a Willy Wonka <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. Right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so somebody else watch Bones and All and let me know what you think about it. Yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, I just I think it's 
again, super interesting as a horror fan to see a movie where the monsters are the main characters and it's really not a horror movie. It's just it's a romantic drama, but the lead characters just happen to be monsters and you just you just need to accept that from the get go. I mean, it's not again, it's not a secret like it's the opening scene is her um, at like a slumber party and she like it's like they're all like doing like girly slumber party things and then she just munches on the one girl's hand because she can and it's pretty fun to watch there is a neat element to the storytelling too because it opens with that and then you see her and her dad run away and then the next scene is her as like 18 waking up and finding the note from her dad that um he's gone and the movie is set in like the 80s i guess because he leaves behind a walkman with a tape in it and so we get her backstory by her sitting on like buses and stuff, trying to get across the country, listening to this tape that her dad left, where he talks about the incidents that happened when she was a child that she just doesn't remember because who remembers eating their babysitter when they were like three years old, right? Like you just wouldn't recall that. So it's like, that's how we get her backstory. And it's a pretty neat filmmaking technique. It works pretty well. And the lead actress is pretty good. Whoever she is. I'm not going to look up her name. But. Timothea Chalamet. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. And because of consistency, you want to know the other movie I watched? Sure. I, uh, I did a rewatch of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, which I hadn't seen in probably 20 years. Still haven't watched it. Still. Again, I watched your copy, so <laughs> thank you for buying yeah. it and not watching yeah. it. No, I totally own a digital Next. copy of it. Next gen is uh, McConaughey, right? Yeah. So, so the opposite of all these other movies. These are ones where I know all of the actors. <laughs> it's, like, it's Matthew McConaughey as like the head of the family and Renee Zellweger as the sort of uh, lead teenager that's going to get chopped up. And so like for people who don't know the backstory, this was a remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre that they like decided, nah, we'll just make it a sequel <laughs> instead. <laughs> so they like, they literally added in like a crawl at the beginning of it, similar to the one at the beginning of like the first movie where they, um, like they say like, Oh yeah, back in like the seventies, this happened. And then there were two other incidences that happened, you know, but no one has ever been found. And then, they proceed to show you a remake of the movie, which is like to the point of like they recreate several iconic shots and you're like, OK, but obviously this is a remake, not a sequel. Why are you pretending it's a sequel? Um, and yeah, this and just happens is, every like 25 years. It's all right. It, yeah, with the exact shot happening. Um, yep. But here's here's the thing, though. So one of the one of the big creepy moments that's a little bit funny and a little bit creepy in the original is when Leatherface throws that girl into that freezer. So in this one, she uh, she tries to get out and he has to like keep pushing her back in and then he goes and just gets a heavy thing and puts it on top of the freezer. Um, so then also in this one, like they wanted to recreate the beginning of the original where they're taking the pictures and you get that cool flash sound effect which works really well to create a creepy atmosphere in the original here it's like 
kids getting ready for prom night, taking pictures of themselves, and you're getting that same sound effect. And what I'm trying to explain to you guys is that this was made as a remake, and it was repackaged as a sequel. But actually, whether it's on purpose or not, it's actually a parody. And as a parody, I actually enjoy it. It's actually pretty funny if you assume that they're trying to be funny. You've got Matthew McConaughey chewing up the scenery. Like, his character has, like, for some reason, has, like, a robotic leg that con- you can control with remote controls, and he plays it up like nobody's business. He has, like, his, like, famous line in this is, like, at one point, he's like, I'm just going to kill you. Ain't no fucking biggie. And you're like, what the fuck did he just say? Like, did he just try to deliver that line of dialogue seriously? And I'm like... Again, if you assume that they're just having fun with this and making a parody of the film, then you're like, oh, look, they recreated that shot to remind us that this is supposed to be like the other film. (laughs) But they did it in a ridiculous way, and that makes it fun to watch. So if you are going to watch it, Brian, that's how I would go into it. Assume that it's a parody of the original. And that way, when, when the conspiracy theory elements of it creep in, where that the family may actually be part of some bigger organization. It's all going to make a lot more sense if you're laughing at the movie. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. <laughs> and they're going to give you lots of reasons to laugh with these performances. Um, they're, you know, when Leatherface yeah. starts going in full drag queen mode, you're going to be like, okay, that's what they're doing here. They're having some fun with it. I understand. No problem. <laughs> it's one that, uh, <clears throat> Like, I want to see it at some point. So, of course, I bought it just so I would have a copy ready. Because you never know how hard shit is going to be to find. But I still have just not gotten to that point yet where where I'm just like, it's time. It's time to watch it. Yeah. See, I saw it when it was new because it was the mid-90s and you just just rented shit off the shelf. Like, you just did that, right? Like, oh, there's a new Texas Chainsaw sequel out. I'm going to rent that, right? Why wouldn't I? Um... (laughs) I didn't really remember it that well. Like I didn't remember other than a couple of bits of McConaughey's performance. I didn't really remember much. His performance is like big and over the top. And so it's hard to forget, but everybody else is kind of a little bit more subdued. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Just the Texas chainsaw franchise is not something I was ever super in love with. Like the first film's great. Of course I've, Come around and I love the second movie too. Uh, the third one I'm still not a fan of. Maybe I'll rewatch yeah. it at some point. <laughs> Obviously, I'm never seen four. Yeah. And then I remember enjoying the remake, but I haven't watched that in over 15 years, probably. Yeah, the the remake and for from whatever O three or something is a much better yeah. remake of the original. Like it re it it foregoes the comedy and is a dead serious remake of that movie which is you could never recapture the magic of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre no Uh, I think I've said before like the way that movie can make you cringe and laugh at the same time like it's really really hard to do that and it's lightning in a bottle and I don't know that very many people can pull it off Mm -hmm. or I don't I don't know that I don't even know that they pulled it off I think it's I think it's just a completely different movie yeah, it's something something happened. Some movie magic happened when they were making that original 
And as a result, we got that. Um, but I don't know that I don't know that they could have told you at the beginning that that's what they were going to do. I don't think they couldn't, they wouldn't have been able to say like, yeah, we're going to creep you right out where you're going to be like, feel uneasy in your seat watching this movie. Also, you'll be laughing at it <laughs> and I, you're going to do both of those at the same time. And your, your brain is not going to understand how that works and it's going to make you feel real uncomfortable. But that, that's what that film does to you. Cause I've watched it on different, at different times and I've laughed out loud and had a great time. And other times I've been creeped out and needed to turn the lights on. And it's the same movie. Nothing about the movie changes. <laughs> well, yeah, hopefully I mean, ho- hopefully four, I'll get around to part four at some point soon. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's such a unique beast that I think like it's, fun to watch and that's my memory of it i didn't one of the reasons i didn't watch it for so long is because i'm like i remember laughing and enjoying that but then when i think logically about it i'm like why would i enjoy that that doesn't sound like something i would enjoy (laughs) but it's just it's just a wonderful b-movie magic that people pull off sometimes where they're just like i don't know like obviously everybody on set knew they knew what they were making was ridiculous and they just decided to amp it up and that's fine. Nice. It's so Hollywood, though, that they're like, what if we put this crawl out at the beginning? And then hopefully nobody will remember that some of these scenes are taken directly from the original. <laughs> they're like some pretty iconic moments. So I, I guess I won't say which ones if you haven't seen it, because it doesn't really matter. But definitely, like, you're not going to forget. When you, when you see it happen, you're not going to go, oh, I don't think they've done anything like that before. <laughs> Anyways, but I think that's about it. Like that's all I've watched, really. Uh, <clears throat> I don't remember what we talked about last time we did an episode. Did I mention last I watched we did an episode was our New Year's episode? Uh, yeah, but I don't remember what I talked about after the actual reviews. Oh, did I mention I watched Ernest yeah, Saves Christmas? <laughs> I don't think you did. Oh, I watched Ernest Saves Christmas. It's awesome. Okay. All right. It's one I've watched the past couple of years around Christmas time, and I always enjoy it. It's more of an Easter movie in my mind, but whatever. It's true. Uh, see, I watched Krampus. I watched the Naughty Cut. Yeah, uh, which is, I want to know about. It's it's honestly it's barely even noticeable. Okay. Unless someone straight up told you like. Here's all the parts that are changed. You're probably not even going to notice. Um, there's apparently more gore and more swear words. Because apparently they had to edit it down to get a PG-13. Okay. Um, and from what I've heard, there's like a scene that is moved. It's the same scene. It's just moved to a little bit of a different location. That, okay. Uh, I don't know. So if you watch them back to back, you'd notice, but if you watch them a year apart, probably not. Yeah, probably not. But it's Krampus, so still great. If it's just like the original Krampus, that's a pretty big compliment to it, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, I watched Game Over, otherwise known as Deadly Games, otherwise known as Dial Code Santa Claus. Right. Uh, what you think? So, 
It's a French movie. It's basically Home Alone before Home Alone. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, th- I think it was hyped up maybe a little too much for me. Um, basically, what I had heard was like, oh, no, this is like Home Alone. But like if it was like more gory and stuff. And I didn't really find that too much. Like it was fine. Like there's definitely it's definitely a little bit more adult than say Home Alone is. But yeah. I don't know. It wasn't like super crazy or anything. But it was okay. I feel like I had I had the same reaction when I watched it, and I was just like, I, I agree with what you're saying. I think it was too hyped up. I think if I'd gone into yeah. it blind, I would have enjoyed it a lot more. Yeah. It's yeah. not really the movie's fault, but nevertheless, it is what it is, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just a kid who's obsessed with, like, Rambo and army stuff and whatever. And his mom's super rich, so he has every electronic thing you could ever want. So his entire house is wired up with, like, cameras and shit. Um, And some crazy guy dressed up as Santa breaks into his house. To He's going to kill his grandfather, who's sick, so... Yeah, so I mean, it's fine. It's just, it's not what I had hoped after hearing about it for so long. But yeah, yeah just don't go in over. Yeah, I, yeah, it's definitely an example of like just yeah. If you just could just watch all movies blind, it'd be so much better. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I also watched a movie called Evils of the Night from 1985. This was a blind buy on Voodoo at some point. Um, so this is a movie that someone was making like a uh, 1980s like sex comedy. Mm-hmm. And then halfway through they went, no, 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 no. Let's make let's make a horror movie instead. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and so then they had so to like figure Figure out, like, okay, well, what horror stuff are we putting in? I don't know. But we only have to do, like, 45 minutes because we already filmed half of a 80s sex comedy. So so a lot of the movie is just, like, these teenagers that go hang out at the beach and apparently camp there overnight. And so there's lots of, like, teenage shenanigans during the day and somewhat at night and lots of, like, what are you looking at her boobs for? Aren't mine good enough and of course the girl pulls her top down or whatever because that's the type of stuff you do in an 80s sex comedy I guess yeah. <clears throat> and then someone wrote up some script about uh, people being kidnapped and taken to this hospital where alien people who look just like you know regular humans essentially essentially they're the aliens from like plan 9 from outer space there's people okay. in costumes that look like they're from outer space for whatever reason. Like they're uniform. It sound like a compliment. It doesn't sound no. like a compliment at all when you say it like no. that. It's a lot of them saying, oh, we need the blood from these teenagers for whatever lame excuse. The interesting thing is there's three aliens. One of them is played by John Carradine. The other one's played by Tina Louise, otherwise known as Ginger from Gilligan's Island. And the third one, I didn't even know who it was. Some other lady, I didn't know who it was. 
And apparently they had the, all three of those actors for half a day and then just shot a bunch of shit with them and inserted it into the movie. Yeah, it feels right. Uh, it's probably an understatement, but uh, this movie was not good. It doesn't sound good. No. You're like, it's the hostel of its day, but worse. It's just completely all over the place. So I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, so hmm. it's terrible. And it's obvious that at some point, so like, oh, we don't have enough nudity in this movie, even though there's a shit ton of it in there already. Like full frontal nudity, so there's lots of bush going on. Um, but apparently they were just like, well, we can hire some porn stars to do some scenes where they won't have to really have sex. It'll probably be an easy day for them. A couple porn stars come. But there's one, they're like, Oh, look, there's our friends over there. And you can see them through the woods, like at night. It's like, oh, they're getting ready to have sex. Well, let's go over here and we'll have sex on our own. So, you know, it's like cuts back and forth. And I'm just like, yeah, they were, they did not have that in mind. This, these people were completely inserted into this movie. Uh, and it's obvious that the, the friends they're looking at, the woman, said she's going to take her top off and then didn't take her top off on the day they shot. So they're like, fuck, we got to get another couple in here. Hire, hire a porn star. We'll just act like, oh, there's our friends, but let's go over this way. So, yeah, it's fucking terrible. It's <laughs> The way you're describing it makes me want to watch it, but I'm pretty sure if I did, I'd just be disgusted by it. <laughs> what the fuck is this movie? Yeah, I had never heard of it before, and it's probably why, because it's fucking god awful. Yeah. Uh, you took the hit, so we don't have to. Right? Then Until I forget uh, about you talking about it and accidentally watch it, of course. Yeah, of course. Then my usual tradition on New Year's Day is just to eat a bunch of horrible food and watch a bunch of movies. So I had a couple friends come over, um, and we watched a bunch of shit. Um, kind of had a theme going, and then two of my other friends showed up and wanted to watch something else. So we got off track, but we'll see if you can uh, figure it out. So I watched a movie called The Night Before with Keanu Reeves. Which is something I'd never heard of, and it's from 1988. And I was like, oh, That's maybe I've, I've uncovered this like hidden Keanu Reeves gem of some sort. Don't know. Well, it turns out I, I did not. No, it's not another uh, Brothers of Justice. No. Uh, so apparently, uh, Aunt Becky from Full House mm-hmm. asks, asks out uh, Keanu Reeves to go to prom. And the thing is, he's a big nerd. So he doesn't understand why the most oh. beautiful girl in school is asking him out. Uh, but the thing is, we don't know what's going on because the movie starts with him waking up in a skeezy part of town in an alleyway with no memory of what just happened. Oh, yeah, I've seen this one. Oh, God. So the movie runs like sort of concurrently. You're watching two different storylines, like one sort of happening in the present where he's trying to figure out what happened. And then sort of what actually happened because his memories are starting to come back. And he accidentally put a gift that was a magnet up by, he's got one of those little compasses in his car. That's like the little ball and water and it spins around. 
And he's like, no, all we have to do is go west and it'll take us right to the prom. And she's like, you idiot, and pulls the little magnet gift that he got her off the dashboard. And we see they've been going the wrong way the entire time. So, of course, that Uh-oh. means they're in the bad part of town. And they end up getting lost. His car gets stolen. Uh, he here, here you go. Here's something that uh, would have to be taken out of the remake. He accidentally sells Aunt Becky into prostitution without realizing it. Happens to the best of us. Some yeah. everyone makes mistakes. Yeah. Accidentally sells her to the local pimp. Mm-hmm. Um. So then he has to go try to figure out where she is to get her back. Uh, this movie also was not good. That doesn't even sound good at all. I don't know. No. Why you would Cause, watch that? Because it's well, because I had never heard of it. But it's not even like stylized. Like, oh, yeah, but maybe it's got like a fun, like you know, quirky attitude about the movie, or it's edited in a fun way. No, it's pretty straightforward, and it's just it's pretty pretty bad. So, not good. Uh, then my friend came over, and we watched uh, Better Off Dead, John Cusack. Okay. Uh, he had never seen like a nice step in the right direction. He had never seen it before, and I was like, "Oh, we got to watch this. This, is, this movie's great." And so we watched that in uh, quirky movie. Um, apparently, John Cusack made it, and then when he went to the first screening, hated it so much he walked out twenty minutes in. Then the next day, because he was already making another movie that I'll talk about in a second with the same director. And told him that he, uh, he's like, yeah, you lied to me. That movie is fucking terrible. It's the worst movie I've ever seen. You're a horrible director. <laughs> and I'll never work with you again after this movie. Um, oh. I don't know what Your the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> it is, because yeah. I don't know what he's talking about. I love Better Off Dead. Um, somebody pointed out once, he, did, he thought, he didn't think it was like a quirky, like, comedy. Someone was like, who do you think the Asian guys were that wanted to drag race them all the time? Did that not like clue him in on sort of what the tone of the movie was? So I don't get it. Yeah. I'm not sure if I understand what he thought he was making. It seems like it's <laughs> right. Pretty straightforward. <laughs> it's like, did he read the script? Um, so the interesting thing about this movie is, my dad took me to see it when I was like six. And we drove okay. we drove into town and uh, his car broke down as we were turning into the shopping center where the theater was. And he was trying to like fix it while it was in the turn lane and stuff. <laughs> and eventually like somebody was just like, here, I'll just I'll help you push it into the parking lot so you can get out of traffic. And so we just pushed it over there. Couldn't figure out how to fix it. So my cousin walked up to like one of the stores and used their phone to call my grandma. And she's like, well, you guys are already there. Just go see the movie. Pick you up after the movie's over. And then we'll come get the car tomorrow. So we went to the movie. The movie had already started. So for years, the only thing I remembered about this movie, which I guess, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched Better Off Dead from 1985... Is that at the end, he has to, you know, race the bully in the ski competition. And something happens 
where his ski breaks and he all, he can only ski on one ski in the entire thing. But of course, because of that, he he's amazing. And so all I remembered was like, oh yeah, at the end he skis on one ski. What fucking movie was that? I had no idea. So it took like 15 years before I finally figured out what movie it was and was able to buy it and watch it over and over again. And I fucking love that movie. Um, that's so we followed that up with the other movie, One Crazy Summer. Once again, John Cusack, this time add in a Murray brother and Bobcat Goldthwait. And uh, typical, uh, they have to raise a bunch of money. This ev- evil land developer is going to tear down this house where all these old people live and build a bunch of uh, condos. And, of course, things start going awry. And then at the end, it comes down to they have to win some boat regatta in order in order to save the house from being torn down. Because... That's 80s. how it works. Yeah, because 80s. 80s are such a weird time. <laughs> we have to save this. What should we do? Win a race or just throw a giant party and use the money we raised from our party to save the day? Those are the only two options. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I don't know. I love this movie too. I don't love it nearly as much as Better Off Dead, but it's still really good. And I'm sad Savage Steve Holland hasn't made a bunch. Of, hasn't really made any movies since then. Um, he's done a lot of TV work, but it's for a bunch of shit I don't even know. I just wish he would have yeah. caught on because I really like those two movies. So I wish he would have done more stuff like that. <laughs> Uh, the two of my friends came over. We we're trying to figure out what movie to watch, and uh, they wanted to watch VFW because they hadn't seen it. So we watched Fair that. Enough. Bunch of old guys hold up in a VFW hall while a bunch of like drugged up, crazy, um, not bikers, but just punks in general, yeah. try to try to break in and uh, get back the drugs that this girl stole out of their their compound from the next door. Pretty close to a perfect movie. Yeah. And of course, all these uh, veterans decide to hole up, take the fight to them. And uh, super gory. It's fantastic. Yeah. One of my friends that came over, he works at like a moose lodge. He's a member of one, which is very similar to a VFW. And so I'm like, oh, you're going to love this. And he was squeamish the whole time. I forgot he didn't really like horror movies. And this was like very gory. (sighs) Oh, that's his fault for coming over. So people are getting like axes to the shoulder or whatever he's like oh my god like oh man you're making this so much better of a watch this time around (laughs) (laughs) if i'd known this was going to ruin your day i'd invited you over earlier (laughs) all right (laughs) uh and then they ended up leaving after the movie was over and my other friend was still (laughs) there pissed at you no they're just like okay well we gotta work tomorrow and it's like nine o'clock so see you later i'm like all right mm-hmm. and uh so my other friend that was still there he's like yeah i don't know 
let's watch some more 80s teen comedies. And I'm like, can do. So then we watched uh, Three O'Clock High, which is a movie I saw like on Sunday afternoon back when there was only four channels in town and you just had to watch whatever was on. You're like, oh, look, a movie's on. What movie is this? Three O'Clock High, I've never heard of it. Um, so team gets to school and we find out that the bully from a few towns over is going to be the new kid in school and someone he works for the school paper and someone's like oh you should talk to him and we'll write up something about the new kid because you know that happens at every high school and it turns out he pisses off the bully like right away he doesn't like being touched and the first thing he does is touch him on the shoulder so he challenges him to a fight after school at 3 o'clock the entire rest of the movie is him trying to get out of this fight in one way or another and uh, he tries to get attention tries to hire some other football player to go beat up the guy he tries all sorts of things and of course nothing works and the movie culminates in a big fight at the end where like the entire school is there watching it People like hanging out the windows and stuff, watching it. It's great. Uh, yeah, just another 80s teen comedy that I love. Um, then uh, I didn't. I I didn't feel like he was ready to go uh, the full uh, blown away experience. So I asked my friend if he's seen the other two Corey's movie, License to Drive, instead. Okay. We might ease into Blown Away at some point. Yeah, you want to baby <laughs> steps towards that. Uh, so then we watched License to Drive, which assuming most people have probably seen it, but Corey Haim fails his driving I don't know test. If I have. You've never seen I don't it? Know if I've ever seen that one. Yeah. Oh my God, it's so much fun. Uh, Corey Haim fails his driving test, but still ends up sneaking out of the house so he can go on a date with uh, Heather Graham. And uh, she gets super drunk and passes out in the car. He goes over to his friend's house, played by Corey Feldman. They decide to take a trip to uh, this place called Archie's, which is essentially just a, like a drive-in like food place. Uh, but then they get involved in shenanigans. And it turns out that he's driving his grandpa's car. His grandpa's car keeps either getting stolen or possibly uh, damaged. He's trying to get everything taken care of before he can get back home, before his parents find out that he snuck out. But, you know, 80s. So, it's fun. Can't believe you've never seen that one. It's got Carol Kane. And uh, uh, who's the guy that takes care of the dogs and the thing? That guy? Yeah, they play his parents. Oh. There. Yeah, I might get to it one day. It's not, I've never like avoided it. It's just one of those ones I never got to kind of thing. Well, I'm wondering. Uh... Because I have it on DVD, and we tried to watch it, and the transfer is so terrible. Yeah. No, no, you own it 
digitally. Yeah, I own it digitally now because I had to buy a digital copy to watch yeah. it. To, to I, I, it I can watch your copy. I noticed it pop up. Yeah. Oh. Um, also got a uh, screener code sent to me for that movie, The Menu. Apparently came out okay. today. So That's interesting. So you should be able to watch that too. Try to watch that this weekend. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, Noah, what movies did you pick for next week? Uh, I figured uh, we were due for something a little different, so we're going to do Siege movies, uh, including the movie Siege, (laughs) (laughs) a.k.a. Self-Defense, which is like a a Canadian movie that's about um, neo-Nazis invading a gay bar and a guy escapes and makes it to an apartment complex and the residents of the apartment complex decide to defend this guy from the oncoming horde of Nazis. Sounds fun. Oh, this, this used to be on my watch list and it, I don't know why yeah, it's, it's not been, on there anymore. It's, it's been on mine forever. And I saw, uh, uh, Dynamo Mars from trick or treat radio post about watching it. And I was like, Oh yeah, I need to watch that. Uh, and then I teamed cool. it, and I teamed it up with Alone in the Dark from 1980. Oh, not, Christian not, Slater. No, not, not, not the terrible one. Oh, oh. Uh, is this a bunch which, of old guys that escape a, an insane asylum? Yep, yeah. It a bunch is. of dudes who ex- escape an insane yeah. asylum and then uh, lay siege to their doctor's house. And it's oh. got Donald Pleasance in it. <laughs> Donald Pleasance, Martin so- Landau, and Jack Palance yeah. as the yeah. escape. Yeah. Guy. Uh, spoiler alert! That one's great. Uh, we don't need to. Oh. <laughs> I could. I, I'll watch it again, and I'm happy to do so. But <laughs> it's great. I am. A, I am a fan as well. So. so. Oh, good. See, I haven't. I haven't actually ever seen that one. I've. I've seen the trailers for it, and the trailers all have. Uh, I just said his name ten seconds ago. Donald Pleasant. Donald Pleasant, yeah. Like dressed like a chef carrying some kind of giant sword <laughs> knife, which I'm assuming is a dream sequence. But Maybe. Who don't I don't think it is. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember enjoying that one. Uh I don't remember where I watched it, but it's on it's available on YouTube. Yeah. I think I rented it, so I don't know. It doesn't matter. Considering considering now buying the uh, the Blu-ray that Scream Factory put out of it. Because I really do enjoy that movie, and I would enjoy having it on my shelf. Have you started buying new movies yet, Doug? You started the, restarted the collection, and you just given up? No. I, uh, I haven't given up, but... I haven't bought anything either, so it's it's a tough decision whether to go full digital or go back to buying or just treat buying like hard copies as like more of like a collectible thing and only get certain movies. It's big decisions. Yeah. Not prepared for those decisions yet. One hundred percent steel book all the time. <laughs> all steel books? All steel books all day. There you go. Go for a very, very uh, niche decision, Doug. By only buying a certain type of physical copy. 
If I did that, I'd probably just go all VHS. To be totally honest, only, <laughs> only only buy the third released cut of each film. <laughs> it's to the point you're just like somehow like borrowing or renting like Blu-ray copies and recording them onto VHS and then putting them in your collection. Yeah. There's a there's a service that releases movies on VHS still, and it's like new movies, um, but it's really? only like it's very it's very select titles, and they'll just release them. I can't remember. The last time I watched a VHS movie, it blew my mind how low the quality was. I was like, <laughs> it's it's really noticeable on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah. But if you watch the right movie, it doesn't hurt it. If you watch like a lot of old 70s movies and stuff, there's something well, and, about that lack of quality that actually it, it enhances the experience in a certain way. Well, and part of, the, part of the problem is television size, too. Because if you watch it on a little 17-inch television, it looks fine. If you watch it on a great yeah. blown-up 55-inch, you can see the pixels, you know what I mean? Yeah. You could go the opposite way. There's still a uh, there's a company that I'm not 100 percent sure on their on the legality of it, but they sell DVD copies of stuff that was only released on VHS and has never had a um, um, release since. See that appeals to me. Yeah. I I own several of them. Yeah, VHS PS VHS Preservation Society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm Googling that, so it will always be in my uh, search history right now. <laughs> yeah, VHSPS.com. And they take everything really seriously, too. So, like, if they've got one out and they release a DVD or Blu-ray version of it, they pull it. Well, really? I, I'm looking at their website, and I'm seeing a bunch of shit that's on, that's on Blu-ray and DVD right now. Is that, is that right? They used, to, they used to be real hardcore yeah. about only it was only stuff that you could not get elsewhere i feel like that's probably when they were trying to not get caught and then they maybe got big enough that there's no point in doing that there's a whole section in their thing for clowns so (laughs) yeah because i'm seeing copies of blood rage which i know uh arrow video put out um oh you can get a copy of bloody new year yeah i don't want that uh, Body Parts, which I know Scream Factory put out. Brain, which I have on Blu-ray. Chud 2. Bud the Chud. Bud the Chud. Are you sure you're not just reading a list of movies we've covered on this podcast? There's <laughs> uh, Cast a Deadly Spell, which I believe still is not out on DVD or Blu-ray. Hmm. Huh. Yeah. This is this is very interesting to me. I might spend a lot yeah. of time. <laughs> Doug's going to be like, hey, guys, lost my house. Spent all my money on. There's a wrestling section. <laughs> no holds barred does show up here. Why is WWE or whatever not put that back out again? <sighs> For some reason, people are like embarrassed of movies like that. And I don't I understand. Guess. Do you know how much fucking money they would make if they printed up? copies of it i'm trying to think because the only thing that's really terrible in no holds barred is hulk hogan in his weird red (laughs) silk man panties doing push-ups and sexually harassing that one yeah 
Well, yeah, I mean, there's some stuff in there that I can understand would be considered mildly problematic, but I just don't understand. I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's that big a deal. Yeah, I was going to say, because it's not like uh, what's the other one? The. Uh, the one with Roddy Piper and it's about rock and wrestling. Body slam. Body slam. See, that one they won't put out because it's got Billy Barty in it yelling a pejorative for gay people about a thousand times. It's like his only line over and over <laughs> is screaming that word. Now I want to see it. Well, and it's Billy uh, Barty, so it's great. But at the same time, you're like, oh, 80s, why? <laughs> <laughs> Well, Doug, I believe if you go on your Plex, you can watch it in my movies. Oh, really? I, I found a copy on uh, YouTube, and I believe I downloaded it and put it on my Plex. Oh, I think we. Uh, I think you just challenged me. Like, do you really uh, want to see it? Because <laughs> there you, you go. Can. Now we'll like, find out. I feel like we need to add some Roddy Piper movies to the list. We don't have enough of the Piper on there. I feel like we have at least one week set up. Do we do Hell Comes to Frogtown already? I don't think we have. That would be kind of a tough one. I've never seen that one. Hell Comes to Frogtown is a blast. Uh, I don't know if I would agree with that. Oh, man. You guys are going to fight if we watch it? That's a good enough reason for me to (laughs) (laughs) pick movies. Um, let's see. Is that yep? Body slam. Yep, it's here on my Plex. You should watch it, Doug. I will uh, take it under advisement. Two movies before that is blown away, so you can rewatch that if you want. Well, there's a a scene or two from that that I might want to rewatch. We'll see. (laughs) Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. Now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.